listeners, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator. I'm all about capturing and curating career and life stories as a meaningful way to celebrate a milestone moment like a big old birthday, anniversary, retirement, or graduation. And I'm at my best when curating photo books that move your memories from the basement or your phone or your computer to the coffee table, giving you and your family and friends access to these treasured memories for years to come. I also love curating and capturing life and career stories through this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? It's a series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers, people in transition or possibly feeling stuck, and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas or maybe just comforted knowing they are not alone, that everybody starts somewhere and everybody goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. Today, I'm very excited to be interviewing Raya Gonzalez. Welcome, Raya. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And Raya is the founder and CEO of Link Consulting Solutions. So we'll get to find out in a bit what that's all about. Before we jump into today's interview, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Life Story Curator, a testimonial from one of their very happy clients. Oh my gosh, if you're considering hiring Kathy Lawless to do a book for you, you need to do it. My name is Ann DuPont and I'm Chair Emeritus of a nonprofit that's been based in Denver called The Leadership Investment. And after 20 plus years of being in business, we decided we had to celebrate and commemorate all of the great work we'd done and the impact we'd had in the Denver community. So we hired Kathy Lawless and Life Story Curator to help us do exactly that. And I've got to tell you, the result was, has been simply outstanding. And uh, we went into it with a little bit of fear, thinking, is this going to be too much work? Can we really take this on? And Kathy just made it absolutely painless. She was fun. She was creative. She broke the work into bite-sized pieces that we could really take hold of and get done. And she just made it a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughter along the way. And... The feedback from the members of our organization, from the staff, the community, the volunteers, has simply been outstanding. It has really done quite a remarkable job of capturing the essence of everything we achieved over 20 years. So if you're thinking about doing something like this for your organization, for your career, for your family, I would highly recommend it and I would absolutely say that Kathy Lawless and Life Story Curator is the person for you. Tell us where you grew up, you know, what part of the country or what part of the world and what your family was like, you know, how many siblings, where you were in the birth order and how both those things, where you grew up and I guess your birth order, uh, how that shaped you as an adult. Yeah, um, I am a Washingtonian born and raised. So I was born in a little town called Carnation, Washington, which is about 15 minutes east of Microsoft land. So it's now become a suburbia for Microsoft people. Um, but it's a little town that's one square mile. And so you could literally walk from one end to the other end. Um, and I always tell people I'm so Washingtonian that I'm moldy because <laughs> it's so wet there, <laughs> so wet here, but I love it. Um, I have four siblings, three, um, I'm so, excuse me, I have three siblings, two that I grew up with and one that's much younger than me. Um, we are all girls and I am the middle of the, the older three. And um, 
I think that definitely influenced, I mean, I'm definitely like the middle child syndrome every year on middle child's day where it says like, did you know today was middle child's day? Yeah, I forgot too. And I always send that to my middle child um, because, <laughs> you know, we kind of get looked over sometimes, poor thing. Um, but, uh, but I also acted in a way as an older child because my oldest sibling left the house um, quite young. So she moved out, um, in her like early teens or mid teens. So, um, is, and so in a lot of ways I heard the, the family and, um, act as an older child as well. Interesting. Well, I'm a middle child, two sisters as well. So is that same? Oh, wow. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, what's the age difference then between you, yeah. the top three and then the, the, the fourth? quite significant. So uh, my older sister and I are two and a half years apart. And there's a five-year gap between myself and my next sister. And then um, my youngest sister is two days younger than my oldest daughter. So she is 22 years old. Oh my god! They gosh. were born two days apart. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. So that is quite the, uh, yes, yes. You pretty much grew up as a middle child, right? Not yes, as I did. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I she, like poor thing. She's, you know, she has three sisters, but it's more like she has three aunties, you know, because yeah. we're so much older than her. Oh, very cool. Well, it's funny. I uh, interviewed someone the other day and they said something about middles were different when you get into bigger families, like four, five, six. Oh yeah. Because the middles are, there's so many of them that are middles. Yes. It's not like your normal middle when there's three and you're just the Correct. middle the middle yeah. of three. So very cool. So yeah. what did you do as a young person for activities? sports, dance, music, any, any I didn't, I did not. I literally, I, this should have been an, a, like an, uh, a premonition that I would end up an entrepreneur, but I babysat like from age 10 on, um, I babysat. So I was always working. Um, I did do when high school, I was on the drill team and when it was, they don't have the same type of drill team anymore, but it was a more military dance type style with a lot of like ripples and pom-poms and fun stuff. Um, and I did that for three years and that was like the light of my life. I enjoyed that so much because I had never been a very athletic person. So I didn't get the whole team experience that everybody else who does dance lessons or swimming lessons or sports or things. I never really did that. And so this was a large team of 32 girls and, you know, we really got to know each other. And because it was so large, um, there was such a variety of personalities and cliques didn't really exist because we had to work together. So people who we wouldn't normally interact with, we had to collaborate with. It was really cool. Wow. Very cool. So drill team. And he said yes. it was like a military. So I guess the word drill really kind of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's, There's like of... marching and, you know, like it's, Think of like how they do with the guns and they do like the ripples and things with the guns. Oh, we yeah. that with okay. pom-poms. So, ah, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Well, and again, it's just, you know, as a young person, you just need activities, right? And things yeah. where you have to work things out with other people, you know, that are your age and then also to work with all their adults and it's all part of the growing. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, are you introvert or extrovert or ambivert? Um, on the scale of introvert to extrovert, I'm extrovert plus, um, <laughs> I always say that if I was an emoji, I would be jazz hands. 
Um, I love people and I am not afraid to talk to somebody in the elevator. I have to hold myself back sometimes because people make it clear that they don't want to be talked to. And I'm like, I want to be like, Hey, how's it going? How are you today? You know, what brings you here? What, what yeah, floor are you going to? Exactly. <laughs> Tell me your life story. Um, no, I love people. I love, um, there's the Clifton, uh, strength finder has like this, you know, all these different strengths. And my number one strength is relator. Um, and in the top five is one called woo, which is winning others over. And the difference between the two is a relator has deep relationships with people, but doesn't necessarily like all people. They like to go deep with certain people. And then the woo can work the room. Like they can talk to anybody. So I have both. Like I can all work the room and get to know and make friends with everybody, but I can also really go deep and have um, really intimate, great relationships with friends. Oh, you know, that explains so much about you. I remember the first time we met, I think we were scheduled for a half hour and it went like, what, an hour and a half. And so yeah. it makes sense that explained the whole relator thing. So yeah. very cool. Well, thanks for adding that extra piece to that, because there is a difference between just being extroverted and then the difference between, I think, woo and relator that totally yeah. gives us a little yeah. more insight into you. Okay, uh, we're shifting gears a little bit here on the fun meter on a scale of one to five, one being couch potato and five being life of the party. Where do you put yourself? I am a seven. A seven on a scale. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so all about the fun. Yes. I love having fun. All right. And then uh, on same scale, one to five, but this time a risk meter, one being low risk, five high risk. Where would you put yourself? This one's interesting. I'm a three. Oh. Which as an entrepreneur is not necessarily a good thing, but I sometimes can be risk averse. Oh, okay. Well, I'm curious to find out how that plays out in your story. I love uh, all these kind of setup questions because it really helps us gain insight into you. And then as we hear your story, they're like, oh, there's the risk, risk yeah. part and or <laughs> there's the extroverted part or the relator part. So we'll figure how that works out. Well, cool. Well, well, so Raya, tell us how or what it's like to be the founder and CEO of Link Consulting Solutions. And then we'll get into how did I get here? Yeah. So um, as the founder and CEO of Link Consulting Solutions, I help female entrepreneurs find their perfect virtual assistant in the Philippines. So I am a virtual assistant matchmaker. So think all the traditional like Mulan matchmaker, but I do that for helping entrepreneurs find a virtual assistant that can help them in their business. And um, I love doing this. I work with, I have a team, so it's not just me and my team is actually all in the Philippines. Um, and I work with clients. I help them work through their, um, doubts and their concerns about, um, adding team. A lot of them have not had somebody work with them before and, um, help them feel ready when they're going to bring that person on as well as all the nuts and bolts of finding that person for them. Yeah. Finding, but I would also say there's a knack to being able to let people help you. You know, that's something you learn whenever you're in a management or leadership role, you know, that whole delegation and yes. how did you explain it? And did you give them clear instruction? And then yes. sometimes there's the, well, they didn't do what I wanted. So I'll just do it myself. And you're like, well, there's feedback loops. And I mean, there's all kinds of ways to make this really successful for you. So I'm guessing you probably 
touch on all of that too, right? Yeah, I would say I'm a delegation educator. Ah, <laughs> that's a little longer title though, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Well, uh, so now I got to know, well, back when you were a junior high, high school, when you weren't doing drill team, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Is this what you thought you would be as an entrepreneur since you were already babysitting? Um, no, um, I really thought um, initially, like my my elementary dream was to be a nurse, which later became a dream again. But I had decided um, after doing a career report, because I found out that they make $40,000 a year at the time and that they only work three to four days a week. And I was like, whoa, stop it. That's a lot of money. Um, that I wanted to be a physical therapist. And so that is the only reason why I wanted to be a physical therapist. So like, you know, spoiler alert, I'm not a physical therapist, <laughs> but um, I really uh, structured my whole academic experience in high school around getting into a very specific school for physical and occupational therapy. Um, and I think I burnt myself out a little bit because I was trying so hard to do that. But yeah, I, I just really thought for some reason that was so much money and that would be a great path for me, which now makes me laugh. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you said nurse and then physical therapy, I mean, were you always kind of in that space? I mean, you, and you were comfortable in that space of, you know, working with people physically and all of that and yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I didn't do like I, I did the traditional retail and restaurant jobs for most of my early, um, you know, youth and early adulthood. But, um, you know, now that you say that my my grandfather was retired, but he was a pediatrician and my aunt was a nurse. And so there may have been some like like subconscious influence of the being in the healthcare field. So. Oh, yeah, because I got to say, as a young person, I remember saying, definitely not a nurse, definitely not a doctor, <laughs> anything in the medical field. I was like, so squeamish about everything oh, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that wasn't ever going to fit for me. I didn't know what I wanted, but that was one of the things I knew I didn't want. Didn't so want. that's half the battle. But, yeah. So then I would guess then, uh, did you go to um, trade schools or college or, you know, did, how did you get all your training then? So I went to the school of hard knocks and got my MRS. I got married at 19. Um, and I thought uh, that I was not going to go to college because of certain like personal circumstances, all sorts of drama, you know. Um, so I thought that it wasn't accessible for me to go to high or excuse me, to college. And so I got married and I had my first daughter when I was 20. And, um, and then I was, I thought, you know, that was great. We should do this again. So I had another daughter at 22. So they're 23 months apart. And then I was like, wow, that was really dumb. These are great kids, but I'm so overwhelmed. Um, but I really never gave up the bug for college. So what I started to do, not knowing exactly where it would lead was take one class at a time. Um, and just doing that like on a payment plan with the college and just take literally one class at a time. And that led to um, a long path to a bachelor's degree. Um, it took me seven years to get my associate's degree. And then it took me a total of 12 years to get my bachelor's degree. So between the seven years, the next or five years to get my bachelor's degree. 
So um, I got my bachelor's degree in 2013 in administrative management and information technology. And I did it all, um, never taking a break except for one quarter I took off, not even summers. I went all, all four quarters. Um, one quarter I took off to give birth to my third child. That was it. So wow. I felt that was acceptable that I could take that quarter off. That was, that was a good reason. That yeah. you, so here you are, you're a mom, you've got two kids and you're going to, you're probably working full-time yeah. and you yeah. full part-time and you really went through that deal. It's so funny as uh, we're standing here, I'm, I'm listening to you going, wow, I didn't feel like I had access to college um, at a high school either. So I got a job and then finally I, I did start working. I, um, uh, I got working in a corporate environment and then they had tuition reimbursement and that's oh, how awesome. I did my college degree part-time yes. and it took me six years to get my bachelor's going part-time and I would take summers off sometimes. Yes. So, yeah, high five. Yes. So it's kind of funny. We have this, uh, this pattern in our lives. It's very interesting. I did not have any children though. So I, I applaud you that I don't know how you did all that. You probably did homework together maybe, huh? Oh no, it was just chaos. It was just chaos. <laughs> So I also heard a shift in uh, all of a sudden you now you're in degree um, in information technology. So when did that shift happen away from physical therapy? You said you kind of got burned out on the physical therapy thing. Did that happen even before you started yeah. some oh, of the yeah. college before, courses? Before high school was done, I was done with that because I had taken so many like other kids were taking fun classes and I was taking trigonometry and advanced physics like and so I just completely burnt out on all of it. And there, and there was like a lot of um, difficulty at home. And so it just like demotivated me to, um, to move forward because I felt the sense of like, not, it wasn't going to be possible. So I just kind of gave up on everything. And so when I started college, um, you know, as a mom, I went with a fresh perspective of just saying like, let's just see, like, I just desperately want to be in school. Like, this is so part of who I am. And I thought that this wasn't going to be possible. And I am like, by God, I'm going to make this happen. Like, how do we make this happen? And I literally went down to the um, school and I was like, tell me how I can make this happen. And then they told me about this payment plan program. And so I just took general education credits until, and then I thought, well, I'll just get a business degree. So my original degree was business administration. I had to change to administrative management and information technology because I had my third daughter and that degree was completely online. The, the classes after that point were completely online and I couldn't attend in person anymore. And this was when online college was not, it was fairly new. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it's the information technology part. I always tell people it's, I can't fix your computer, but I can tell you what software to use to make your office run better. <laughs> that's really where it comes in. And that's also very practical from a user yes. perspective. So yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. Well, that, um, that, that explains a lot. And I, I am curious, how did you create that shift for yourself? You were resigned that you couldn't do it. And then you, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to even go into a college and say, well, what are my options? I mean, a lot of people would just be like, oh, college was never an option for me. I'm done. Because I know my shift, I had a sister who was going and I was like, wait a minute, this, this could work for me. You know, sometimes you have to see it 
and then, you know, the possibilities start to open. Actually, both my sisters were going to college, so uh, part-time and working. So, um, so what, what, what do you think gave you that courage? I think there were two things. Um, the first thing was I was the only one my age that had children, you know, one child, let alone two children. So everyone else was experiencing a different life than I was, because at that point, everyone else was still in university. And here I was married with two children and I craved some normalcy. I wanted something and I, and I felt like um, maybe a little bitter or sad that I was missing out on something that was so important to me because college, not necessarily being a physical therapist, but college in general was extremely important to me. And so um, I wanted to find a way to make it accessible. And what I did at first was I said, well, I, my husband is from Mexico. And so he speaks English, but his English was not so bueno at that time. Um, and all of his family speaks Spanish. And so I said, well, I need to know Spanish because I need to be able to communicate with his family. I also need to know what they're saying about me because that's just the way it goes. And um, so I took a non-credit course, which basically meant it was a cre credit course, but I was auditing it and I did not get credit for it. But it cost me $90 instead of $500. And I could still do the payment plan. So I could do it in three payments of $30. Um, and so I took this non-credit course and I took a couple of them just to get back into the groove of it. And I still thought that this was not possible, but once I got into the um, system of being in the college and just like the feeling of learning and just being a different person, you're a different person when you're on campus. You're like, you just feel invincible. You just feel like, yes, all the knowledge in the world is in my hands. And so um, once I had that taste of that, it was, it was game over for me. I had to find a way. Yeah. And then it sounds like your personality is uh, so persistent. You're like, and I'm going to finish. And you're very disciplined with your yes. with finishing. Yeah. I remember thinking, uh, you know, I was just, once I decided to go, I knew I was going to finish. That was never even an option. It was more a matter of when, um, but it just, it just felt right to be in action and be doing that. And that, that I just knew I was improving myself and, and, and learning and growing. And so, yeah, it was, it was pretty powerful. I think when you're in that yeah. space. Yeah. I think it's one of the most, if you don't do college, if you do college as an adult, um, I don't know because I didn't do it. You know, I, I guess I did do it as a child, but I wasn't in that situation, but I think you have a great appreciation of the institution of learning and what the power of each little morsel that you're adding to your brain, you know, like how applicable it is. And then especially when you move into the classes that are upper level classes that will, you'll actually use those things. You're like, oh my God, I can do this thing with that. That's amazing. You know, so um, I was already in management by the time I got to the upper level classes of administration management. So it actually I felt like an apprenticeship, you know what I mean? Like I really got to apply every single thing that I learned, I was able to apply at work. So it was yeah. great. That's exactly what was going on for me. I was a, a supervisor and a manager in a corporate, in a corporation, uh, First Data, which was a payment processing company. 
And so, yeah, so I, I was getting a business degree. So everything in my business degree applied to my job and then my job applied to the business. I mean, it just all made sense. I could see how it all fit together and um, it was amazing. Now, if I just tried to do that same degree four to six years earlier, I don't think it would have had the same experience exactly. for me. And I don't think I would have had the same value and appreciation for it. Yes. Um, whether I paid for it or not. I mean, my company paid for it through tuition reimbursement, which meant I had to get certain grades in order for them to continue right. to pay. I could only go at a certain pace. And um, I also had to pay for my own books. And um, sometimes it was taxable as income. And sometimes, it, anyway, there was a lot of different things that went on at, at that period of time. But yeah, it was really, um, you know, like a scholarship, right? But at a point yeah. in time where I was very ready to accept that type of totally. uh, responsibility. Yeah. Totally get it. So what were you, how were you supporting yourself financially then? You said you were already in management. You said something about retail earlier. Were you kind of in a retail yeah. space? And so um, I'll just walk you through the little mini journey of how I went from babysitting to um, being an entrepreneur. But um, so I did have a babysitting empire. We laugh about that, but I babysat. An empire, I love yes, that. <laughs> I babysat six days a week after school and on the weekends. So I had regular um, parents that would, that I was their overlap babysitter. So one would work night shift and one would work days and I would babysit in between. Um, and so, yeah, I did have a babysitting empire. That was true statement. Um, I did move into like more traditional retail and restaurants. And I was doing that when I had my first child and a friend encouraged me and said, like, why are you like working at Ross dress for less? Like you are super smart. You should be doing something that makes more money. And I was like, well, I don't have a college degree. And they're like, why don't you look, just look around. And so I got a job with a local hospital in um, their catering department. And um, so, but it was $4 an hour more than I made at the retail job. And it came with uh, complete with fully paid for benefits and just a whole, a whole different ball game. Um, and it was, still wasn't like a ton of money, but it was a significant yeah, amount yeah, of money. Significant more. More. Uh -huh. yeah. And so I worked there for three years. I ended up moving into the telecommunications department. So I was the hospital operator. And we also acted as the answering service for um, about 300 doctor's offices in the area. So when they would go to lunch or when they would sign off for the day, we would be the ones that would page the doctor if there was an emergency. And so um, I became supervisor, weekend supervisor of the telecommunications department. And I was, um, gosh, I must've been 23 at the time. So super young, but I was promoted to that. Um, I thought to myself, if I can do this, I could be a medical receptionist and I could make more money. So I put my resume out there and I got a job in a dental office. Um, and that was $3 more an hour than I was making at the hospital. Um, and I worked my way up in the dental field, which is kind of this little tiny incestuous little group. It's hard to get into the dental field, but once you're in, you can work your way through um, and I worked in specialty practices and through this time I was going to school and whatnot. And I worked up into supervisory, supervisory, I can't even talk, supervisory, supervisor, 
positions. <laughs> um, and I eventually branched out to become a practice manager of a multi-million dollar cosmetic surgery and oral surgery clinic um, in downtown Seattle. And that was a huge jump for me. And it was what I thought the pinnacle of success was going to be for me, the corner office and all the goodies and everything. And I absolutely hated it. Um, every minute of it. Um, it was a very toxic environment, very like um, maybe, maybe a little bit because of the type of office that it was, but also the doctor was difficult to work with. And the hours I was salary for the first time and the hours were like 60 to 70 hour weeks. Plus I was in school full-time, plus I was commuting an hour plus each way and I had children at home. So, and my baby was little. So it was, it was grueling um, to say the least, excellent experience, but I only lasted a year because I just was like, I can't, like, I'm not even living. Like, yes, I'm making so much more money, but I don't like, all I'm doing is spending it on takeout because I can't breathe. You know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. do anything. Yeah. So um, I, I left that and started to go back to trying to become a nurse. I thought, well, I'll just take this clinical experience and become a nurse. Worked a series of jobs to gain clinical experience. Um, and then uh, in the last one, which was the final job I needed to get the final experience to get into the school that I was looking at, I got fired. So that put a huge halt to everything. And um, I did not know what to do. This is like the, the honest to God, you know, how I got here type moment, but I really didn't know what to do because this had been my goal for so long, so many years and changing jobs to get the specific experience. And it was, when I got fired, it was like dramatic. And, um, and it, the aftermath caused me to get poor grades on the classes that were required to get into this school. And you could only take these classes so many times. And so I was unable to be successfully finish those classes. And so it basically screwed my chances of ever becoming a nurse. And I was at the very end of it. So um, I really didn't know what to do. And um, then, so I ended up, I had been helping some people on the side with administrative work. And so I just said, okay, well, I guess I'm an admin person now. And I got a business license. And because I was like, they can't just Venmo me anymore. Like this is the only income coming in. Yeah. So I got a business license and that's how it was started. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing your state of mind was also probably not very positive at that point, if oh. that impacted your schoolwork and everything to be, totally. to be yeah. fired and to be in a, you know, what, wherever you were at that to be in, in that environment where it wasn't working, obviously. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I should have left. I always say like, uh, I didn't follow the signs. So the universe closed the door for me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wasn't doing what I needed to do to leave a very toxic environment. And so they just took care of that for me. <laughs> like, yeah. so but it's in hard. Fact, it's hard. okay. But yeah, it was quite devastating at the time. Yeah, it's kind of like that back in the day, the boyfriend that you wanted to break up with, and then the boyfriend breaks up with you first, and you're just pissed about that, right? Because you're like, I want, 
I knew this wasn't working, but I, I, I wanted it to be on my terms, not yeah. the other person's terms. So it that. makes it really hard. So how did you bounce back? I mean, I get, I, I get what you said, you, you know, you're, what you did was get your business license and start moving in that direction, but you still had to kind of recover your mindset. So was there, were you reading any books at this point or did you have, uh, you know, someone that was helping talk you through it? I mean, that's the kind of thing when people are in transition or stuck or they get in and a situation like that, it's hard to get out. So that's what this podcast is about. How did you kind of get yourself out of that funk? Took some time. I, I kept saying, I was in counseling at the time and I kept saying how I was unemployed and my counselor would say, you have two clients. That is called self-employed. Like you are oh, not unemployed. Yeah. So I was how do you describe yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was still in that mindset of I'm unemployed. I'm fired. Um, and I just stayed there for a while. And I think um, two things really brought me out. One was I accidentally came across um, the TED Talk by Mel Robbins, Stop Screwing Yourself Over, which is fantastic. If anyone is, it's before she was Mel Robbins. So um, it's a fantastic TED Talk, but it really talks about stop being fine. Stop being fine. Be horrifically awful or amazingly excellent but stop just existing because you are wasting your life and you're not fine. So by being fine, you're giving yourself permission to not be fine. So don't do it, like live. And I, I remember sitting in my car and listening to this and just going, oh my God, this is what I'm doing. I'm just living. I'm just letting it happen to me. I'm not like taking the bull by the horns. I'm just letting life happen to me. And then it feels horrible because it's happening to me. So that was a huge impact and caused me to sort of start moving around a little bit and seeing what I could do. And then I took um, a course called the Pacific Institute, which is a mindset course um, that Pete Carroll uses with the Seahawks too, but it's all about uh, visualization and affirmations and um, I'm going to mess it up, but it's called like the reticular activating system, I think is what it's called, but it's the part of your brain where if you actually visualize a situation and you concentrate on it so much that it will, it's like manifestation, but in a less wooey woo kind of way, mm. um, you notice opportunities more and you see things that you wouldn't have noticed. Um, and you just, they, they talk about seeing what you would like to have happen and closing your eyes and imagining it happen, but not imagining like you're walking across the stage. Imagine it like you're in your body. Like what would it look like if you're in your body and you reach your hand out and you shake someone's hand so that when you get to that moment, you're like, oh yeah, I've been here before. Like I know what, yep, yep, exactly. I know what's happening. You know what I mean? And so that also, uh, and somebody at that um, course said to me, um, you're amazing. He's like, I don't even know you, but you're going to be an ass kicker. Like, I just can tell that you're going to go really far. And I could just cry, you know, like, I think I did cry when he said that because I felt the complete opposite of amazing in that moment. I felt rejected and dumb. And I felt, um, like a loser and I didn't know where I was going. 
And for him to just say that to me, it, and like we had just met, but he just was like, I just can tell, like with your vibe, like I just can tell, like you're, I'm gonna, he's like, Ryan Gonzalez, I'm logging that name. Like I know you're going places. And um, ironically, he sent me a message on LinkedIn yesterday. <laughs> wow. That guy. Wow. He lives across the US. But yeah, those two things, I think that was my first investment in personal development. And I remember saying to my sister, it's $300 like for this thing. Should I do this thing? And she's like, are you crazy? That's $300. And I was like, I really think I need to do this thing. But I'm so glad I did because it just allowed me to see different possibilities. And so those two things together kind of jolted me a little bit out of my funk and then said, okay, what's next? And that's where I was like, all right, putting the boots on, putting the suspenders on, what do we got to do now? And it wasn't all clear sailing from there, but it at least got me out of the bed and into starting to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Because again, this is what this podcast is about is when, when you are in that funk, it is so hard to ask for help. A lot of times talk to other people, do different things, right? You know, I, you know, I, I was there when I got laid off and initially it was, I was offered a, a choice to be severed or I could have taken it like a demotion and mm-hmm. I'd been there 20 years and I'm like, eh, so I, I took the severance because I'd been there 20 years. And so I looked at it as a new adventure, but then when you can't find the next thing, all of a sudden the mind and the mental stuff starts to come out in terms of, um, oh, I know, am I ever going to find anything? You know, am I a failure? Well, maybe there's a reason this all, you know, I mean, all that stuff. And it's like, how do you get out of that? And um, what you need a lot of times, I think, is that you got to have that mental shift. And I had a great friend who she was going through some of the same stuff I was. And if we hadn't had each other, I think it had been very, we would have just stayed going down this silent path and not talking to anyone about what was going on. We were fine. Just like you said, we were fine. fine. You know, when you saw people, you didn't want to be the oh, woe is me, or I can't find, or, you know, because I also didn't have the, the language or the, the clarity of what I really, really, really wanted to keep putting that positive state, you know, so I was just fine. Everything was fine, but that wasn't helping me really move forward either. Right. So um, it's funny. I read a book called you are a badass, how to stop doubting yourself and live an awesome life. And that's what really got me to start this my own business, I had done some consulting. So I, I got past the layoff. I got into back into corporate and did some consulting, which worked really well for me for a while. Uh, but then when that ended, I'm like, well, now what's next? And, but it was that book that really kind of jolted me out of that. I'm fine. And yes. how do I stay in motion and in action and doing and creating for myself, not waiting for other things to come to me kind of a thing. So that TED talk is very complimentary to the style of that book. It is, it is very, very complimentary. And I love that book too. It's, it's been, it's one of my favorites. In fact, I have quite a few of her, you are a badass at, you know, like, you know, she has different, different versions of the book, at, you know, at money or, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. So. yeah. So how did you find this niche? It's such a niche. Mm-hmm. finding a virtual assistant in the Philippines. Yes. I mean, this is very niche what you're doing. So how did yes. you get to that? So um, initially my business was called Admin Prestige and we did administrative work, just me to begin with. And then I hired some virtual assistants. So it was an admin um, agency. So we did um, administrative work for different types of clients. 
And um, I did that for quite some time. Then with the pandemic and I had a really bad car accident in 2020 as well, I realized like with a lot of introspection that I absolutely hated it. Um, and so I was like, how do I, how do I take what I love and transform it into something else? And at the same time, I had a friend and I had hired some um, beautiful women from the Philippines to help me in addition to some women that I had here in Washington state. Um, and so I had a friend who said, I want to hire a virtual assistant in the Philippines, but I don't know what to do. She's like, can you help me? I'll pay you. Like, just help me do this, you know? So we did it and it was never supposed to be like a service that I provided. I just like did it for her, but I did it with my assistant and we kind of came up with the system and like worked it out. That assistant is still to this day working with my friend and she was so excited and loved what we did so much that she went out and told everybody like you have to hire Raya. She's amazing. She did this thing and I'm so excited. And so I started getting clients and I was like, okay, I mean, sure. Like we knew what to do because I'd done it for, I'd hired for myself. And then uh, it's not rocket science, really what we do, but what we do is make it seamless for our clients mm -hmm. and we make it easy. And we have the knowledge because we've done it before and then we also do consulting so that they feel ready to um, take on that person. And so it just developed and since, uh, and when we realized that it was going to take off and be the thing, we just like dug deep and we're like, okay, how can we do this the most awesome way possible? How can we give the most value? How can we make them feel the most secure? What can we, how much can we pack in here for the value that we're providing um, and that's how we kind of, that's how we came to what we have today. And, um, at this time, what we do is we actually use the extended disc, uh, facilitator assessment to help match, um, personality as well as those skills. So that's kind of how we ended up with that was accidental, um, accidental surprise. <laughs> accidental surprise. I love that. It's kind of like when people say, oh, I fell into this. Yes. And in a way that's what happened, right? Is the friend yes. said, Hey, you've done this, help me through it, but I'll pay. That's also great when they'll pay. Yeah. And um, it's so funny. You said it's not, um, you know, brain surgery or rocket science, science, whatever you said, but you know, usually when you become an expert at something, you feel that way, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is so easy. Oh, you can, yeah, you can do this. And then, but yeah, but that's because you're really good at it and you've done it enough times and you have all the experience with it. So that's awesome. So, um, what is it you said, you know, you didn't like being the assistant, but you said, I wanted to do what I love. What is it that you love? What's, what's your personal niche? Yeah, I love connection. Um, you know, I, I love working with people. I'm a big idea person. So I like seeing opportunities for other people to be able to expand their business. And in this way, um, what I'm doing specifically is helping people figure out how they can um, utilize their virtual assistant to the max. You know, that's where I say that I'm a, a delegation educator. It comes into it is like, how can you utilize this person so that you can really reclaim what you love? And um, so it's every client is unique. Every client has their own 
um, set of situations going on and, you know, they're what they need help with. And so it's kind of finding those nooks and those crannies of how they can maximize that and then how we can help them do it successfully. Um, you know, communicating, you know, there are some cultural communication things that are good to have and, um, and then just, you know, in general, like I said, most of our clients have never had a, an assistant before. So, you know, giving some basic leadership skills as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you get caught up in the, well, it's just easier for me to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, I don't want to train someone on that, but you don't realize the opportunity cost of oh. keep doing these little things for yourself. So in a way, it almost sounds like you're uh, kind of the office manager for this entrepreneur on how they have coaching them and consulting with them on how they should offload more. Right. I'm guessing you get oh, to yeah. so well. You're like, for oh. a two to three week period of time. I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you're done and then, then yeah. they're off running and, and um, probably more effective. So, yeah. Well, right. This is fascinating. I just love your business Thank and you. uh, what you've accomplished and you're, and you're creating, um, you know, jobs and, 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 not only for the virtual assistants, you know, in the Philippines that, that then now have work that wouldn't have had work probably if they hadn't met you, but then what you're creating for the people that you consult with is probably just even more of what they get to do and that what they love. And so then that's going to bring even more fortune to them and more fortune to the other people. So right. all the abundance, you're, you're creating abundance, I guess, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Very and I love it. <laughs> Well, and I could probably keep chatting with you all afternoon, but um, we do have to start to wrap up. So <laughs> I have uh, two wrap up questions. So we'll start with the first, which is uh, when you look back now on your career, what do you think served you best? You know, it can be a strength, a habit, a discipline, or maybe it's a personality trait. But what do you think has kind of served you best and got you where you are? Well, the nice way to say it is tenacity. Um, the real way to say it is I'm very stubborn. Um, when I lay my eyes on something that I want, um, I'm gonna get it. So that's why it took me 12 years and to get my college degree. And people would say, you're crazy. Like you're not even sleeping. Like, how are you doing this? I'm like, I'm not just get out of my way. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing anything good right now. I'm tired. I'm cranky, you know, like, but I'm going to get it done. And, um, you know, and in a lot of ways, I carry that through with my business too, in a nicer way, but (laughs) I am, I am very tenacious in that regard. Yeah. Tenacity. I see that. I see that. You know, it took me seven years to, to get my degree. Um, you know, and I look back and go, you know, what doesn't matter how long it took. I I got it and, and I feel really good about it. And, you know, finishing it was something I was very proud of. In fact, um, people who don't walk through their graduations, I'm always like, ah, you, you know, I just, I know oh, I'm man, all about the celebrating moment of my life. Yeah. You know, it's big, you know, and when you, you sometimes do you need to really go through that, um, that ceremony yeah. of it and really bring the closure to it and really sit and bask in it. And I think people are, oh, it's no big deal. It's a piece of paper and I'm on to the next level of education or I'm on onto my career or whatever. You're like, yeah, I don't know. There's something about pausing, reflecting, acknowledging, uh, and, and celebrating and then, and then moving into the next phase. Right? Absolutely. Probably, probably why I do the work that I do is that I believe that so strongly. So yes. Yeah. Okay. Second wrap up question then is any words of wisdom that have impacted you over the years. And again, it can be a quote or it can be something you've come up with. It can be a quote from someone else or your own quote, but any words of wisdom? 
Yes. So I have my own podcast. It's called the client experience revolution. And I had a guest, her name is Heidi Bushy. And I ask usually what is the best advice that they've been given? And that's my wrap up question. And she said this thing, and I was so stunned by it that we have actually adopted it as a family mantra. And that is any action is good action. And when you're having those days where, I mean, because we all have them, even if you don't struggle with anxiety or depression, where you just don't even want to get out of bed, or you're feeling extra sad about something, or you're mad, or you're demotivated, or whatever it might be, if you take one step, one tiny step towards something, that's good action. You did something. So my daughter uh, did an episode with me about mental health and we talked about that. And I told her, you know, if you get out of bed today and you brush your teeth and you look in the mirror and then you kind of splash some water on your face and then you go back to bed for the day, I'm so proud of you. Like you got out of bed, you brush your teeth, you go girlfriend, like whatever it is that, you know, what that is the action that you take that that's at the point where you're at. Mm-hmm. If you take action, that's good action. So any action is good action. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. I, I've, I've definitely been a supporter of being in action. Um, and a lot of times when we're stuck or in transition, we don't look at it that way. Um, you know, sometimes being in action could be reading a book. Um, 100%. Or meeting a friend for coffee. Um, just like you said, getting out of the house, getting out of that routine, yes. getting out of that cycle, whatever the cycle is. And, and it, even if it's for just an hour that you aren't thinking about what's going on in your life, cause you're talking to someone else, or yes. maybe you just drove to the, the grocery or the coffee shop or something, right. But you're in action yes. and uh, that breaks that cycle of whatever might be troubling you. Yes. Yep. So, that's my love favorite. That. Love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for sharing your story today. Uh, I love how you, you know, you know, got through the what you did, but then also the whys and the hows and and it wasn't always easy. And, um, and it's not. And that's what we find out when we dive into people's stories, right? Is that from the outside looking in, we're like, oh, she's created this thing. It's so niche and that cool and that great. But you know, there's, you know, how she got here, though, is, is just as important as what you created today and where you're going to take it next. So Yes, thank you. We're just seeing that. So thank you for sharing your story. And listeners, if you've enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe below and you'll be alerted as other interviews are published. And if you have any questions for me or for Raya, you can find both of us on my website, lifestorycurator.com. That's where I'll post this as a blog and I'll also post all her social media. So if all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, this virtual assistant thing. I need one. I need help here. I'm guessing you do this for not just people in Washington, right? That it's, Oh no, it's all over the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. Your business is virtual and your assistants are virtual, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so we can find you on my website and I'll post your website as well. So, okay. and then I guess on that note, I'll say, stay safe, stay well, and let's keep sharing those stories. Have a great day.